We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Greetings, greetings, greetings and salutations. Good morning to you. Welcome to Always Right at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on a Friday, a free-for-all first hour Friday. On this 14th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Appreciate you being with us. Coming up in an hour at 1010, we're going to talk to Jack Windsor. Jack is the executive editor of the Ohio Press Network. He is also still a statehouse correspondent for AM 1420, w, uh, AM 1420 The Answer, WHK. Uh, so we'll talk to Jack with reactions to the Supreme Court decisions yesterday and a breaking story about the Ohio District uh, drawings. The map was drawn up. You know, the redistrict redistrict thing was done. The left complained. The conservative Republican majority said this looks good to us, and it was all ready to go. But now, apparently, there is a snag. And Jack Windsor wrote about it for the Ohio Press Network, and he's going to tell us about it at ten ten. And this is coming, obviously, just perilously close to primary primary season. Um, you know, which of course is in May. So it's really a, a remarkable turn of events here. And we're going to talk about it with Jack at 1010. Then at 1035, Christina Hagan will be by for her regular Friday commentary on all of the news of the day, including and especially the Supreme Court's decision, which is going to be the subject, of course, of our uh, opening monologue. And I will give you that monologue after we give you an opportunity to state your allegiance to our wonderful republic. So, patriots, if you would please, go ahead and stand. Face a flag if you have one. If you do not, that's okay. But put your hand on your heart and join us as we pay tribute to our great country. And remember that there will be leftists all around uh, this listening area right now who are going to be turning their radios down while they hear this uh, expression of loyalty and allegiance to our country because they don't believe in it. And they're furious that two of their own, two of their own Democrats 
Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema are not going to destroy 200 years of Senate tradition and customs and rules and get rid of the filibuster in order to hijack federal elections forever. They're upset about that. So to them, go ahead and turn your radio down and take your knee for about uh, 25 seconds. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You know, it took some great restraint um, this morning for me to to not fire cool in the gang. I, I was close. I was close. I was going to do a little celebration, which I often do whenever we get great news, you know, from either the government or from the outcome of an election, the outcome of a, uh, a vote on an important bill, or whatever the case might be. Occasionally, I will fire up uh, Cool in the Gang and the song Celebrate. It's uh, in celebration, rather. Uh, it's, it's just kind of fun. And I wanted to dance, and I wanted to celebrate when I heard the Supreme Court's decision yesterday on the OSHA mandates that affected 80 to 90 to 100 million American workers. The Supreme Court, in a 6-3 to three decision, did the correct thing, did the just thing, and told Joe Biden, you can't do that. You cannot allow your OSHA department to pass this overwhelmingly punitive uh, measure, or not pass it, but to, to uh, make this edict, That's kind of the point that they made, by the way. If they wanted to do something like this, they needed to pass it through Congress. It needed to be a law. Congress has the say here. You can't just allow OSHA to issue a wide-ranging edict telling everybody you're unemployable, you lose your job if you don't take the jab. Um, I want to celebrate that because that's 82 million people who are off the hook. 82 million people whose employers now do not have to, under penalty of federal fines and other sanctions, um, you know, they don't have to worry about taking this jab if they don't want to. They're free to if they want to. It's what we've all asked for. The right to make our own decisions with our own body, they're free to, but they didn't have to anymore under penalty of federal, um, you know, fine, federal punishment. Again, I won't say federal law because that's the point here. The justices in that six to three majority said, if you want to do something like this in the, in the face of a pandemic, Congress has to pass a law. You can't just say, we declare this to be a national state of emergency and everybody must do A. Because then the next time it's, hey, we declare this to be a national emergency, too. It's really, really important because we say so, and so everybody must do B. And on down the alphabet we go. It's very dangerous territory. Some people call it a slippery slope. I think it's far worse than that. So when the majority did make that statement, and I said 82 or 90 or whatever the number is, million people, million Americans who work for employers with 100 or more employees, you're off the hook now. I was going to play cool in the gang and celebrate that. But then a sober thought occurred to me. And that thought is that these people are still not off the hook. An extraordinary number of them have already been forced to take the jab to keep their job by employers who were terrified of the federal mandate, who said it's coming. 
And so we're going to make sure that we are in full compliance with it on the date that it takes effect in early January. So in, you know, November and December, we heard countless stories of this company, this corporation, this business now mandating that all of their employees be fully vaccinated. And I don't, I don't know if that included uh, boosters or not. Depends on the place, I guess. But they are requiring their employees to be fully vaccinated or they are going on leave without pay. In other words, they're being laid off, if not flat out terminated. Just simply wrong, we said then, and I'll say now. They were moving before they got um, word on what the outcome of the court situation was going to be. They knew this was going through the appeals process, and they knew it was going to end up in the Supreme Court sooner rather than later. And given the timeliness of the situation, that the court wasn't going to wait six months to render an opinion. But they jumped the gun anyway. And so there are still tens of millions of Americans who have either, A, lost their jobs because they didn't get get, uh, jabbed in time to satisfy the mandate, or they got jabbed and they don't want it. They didn't want it, but they didn't want to lose their jobs and their livelihood in their homes. So they took it anyway. And Lord knows how many of them are counted in the VAERS reporting statistics of adverse effects suffered. So I can't place celebration to pass or to uh, uh, to celebrate and to commemorate the, you know, the passage of this or not the passage but the decision rendered here by the court. Because it's already too late for many and moreover. Worse than that. Joe Biden has decided to not take his whooping like a man and say, all right, the judiciary has spoken. They are an equal, co-equal branch of government, and they have spoken and said, we can't do this without Congress. Let's go to Congress. Let's go to the leadership, Pelosi and Schumer, and say, the, the Supreme Court has spoken, legislators, they need you to pass this. So you take what OSHA did, and you pass it so that I'll sign it, and then it will meet the judicial standards. That would be a responsible action taken by a president. But instead of that, Joe Biden responded in a different way. Joe Biden responded by telling businesses, ignore the court. To hell with them. They didn't do it my way. Too bad. You do it my way anyway. His statement yesterday afternoon urged all private employers to implement their own vaccine requirements after the Supreme Court blocked the one that he tried to require. Biden said, and I quote, I am dis- this is in a statement, so you can probably read it in with clarity and not with mumbled, garbled, denture, uh, interrupted uh, Bidenese. So I'll just read it to you in normal voice. I am disappointed that the Supreme Court has chosen to block common sense life-saving requirements. Life-saving requirements. For employees at large businesses that were grounded squarely in both science and the law. It was grounded in neither. You doddering old fool. It was grounded in neither science nor the law. How the hell can you stand there before the American people and say that the science says that the jabs should be mandated when the science shows now that people who are jabbed are getting uh, COVID, becoming infected with COVID at an equal, if not higher rate than those who have never been jabbed? Where do you see science backing your mandate? And as for the law, you're telling me that you know the law better than the nine members of the court?
It's insane. He went on to say, this emergency standard allowed employers to require vaccination. No, it did not allow employers to require vaccinations. It mandated that the employers require vaccinations or else you were going to punish the employers. I mean, Jiminy, even even in his I got whooped speech, but I'm going to tell everybody to ignore the court anyway, he still can't stop lying. This emergency standard allowed employers to require vaccinations or to permit workers to refuse to be va- who refused to be vaccinated. So as long as so long as they were tested once a week and wore a mask at work, a very modest burden. No, it's not a modest burden. It is a criminal burden that denies people their First Amendment rights. As a result of the court's decision, Biden apparently wrote or allegedly wrote. It is now up to to states and individual employers to determine whether to make their workplaces as safe as possible for employees and whether their businesses will be safe for consumers during this pandemic by requiring employees to take the simple and effective step of getting vaccinated. The court has ruled that my administration cannot use the authority granted to it by Congress to require this measure again, again with the lies. The court has ruled that my administration cannot use the authority granted to it by Congress. Listen, you absolute, senseless, dementia-ridden old man. Congress didn't grant you the authority to do this. That's what the court said, and that's exactly why your mandate was stricken. Congress didn't give you the authority. If they had, they would have passed a law, and you would have won. Lordy, but that does not stop me from using my voice as president to advocate for employers to do the right thing to protect Americans' health and economy. I call on business leaders to immediately join those who have already stepped up, including one-third of Fortune uh, 100 companies, and institute vaccination requirements to protect their workers, customers, and communities. In other words, I am appealing to you. American corporations and businesses to extend both of your middle fingers directly at the Supreme Court of the United States. Tell them we're mandating it anyway. Uh, the, the chutzpah here that Joe Biden shows in the face of an absolute smackdown by the Supreme Court is really, really something to behold. And so I can't play Celebration. And Yesterday I was really excited when I found out about this. I was doing the Prager show when I found out. It was about 10 minutes left in the Prager show, and it came across the wire that the Supreme Court had stricken Biden's OSHA mandate, 82 million people not required now to do this. But um, it, it's so much deeper than that, because there are still so many of them that are, have already suffered. And now with Biden encouraging businesses to continue and make their own mandates without his order or OSHA's order, there are still a lot of people who are going to be in serious jeopardy of keeping their jobs. And that doesn't even touch what was done to the healthcare workers in an impossible, unimaginable decision. Supposed constitutional originalists, John Roberts, the Chief Justice of the Court, and Trump appointee Brett Kavanaugh, around whom conservatives all over the country rallied to defend during his nomination hearings, his confirmation hearings, rather. Defended him against allegations of terrible things, and of course we were right to do so because he was 
certainly uh, being falsely accused by a radical left just terrified of losing Roe versus Wade. They were going to object to any Supreme Court nominee that Donald Trump made, made no matter who it, who it was. But after conservatives rallied around Brett Kavanaugh justifiably, Brett Kavanaugh would not rally around conservatism. And by that, I mean constitutional originalism. Kavanaugh joined the clown John Roberts, the Bush appointee, to join the liberals in a 5-4 decision to tell health care workers that they're the only occupation in America that doesn't have the right to decide on their own health care. Can somebody explain that to me? How and why are health care workers the only workers not permitted to decide on their own health care? But that was the other decision made yesterday by the court. So there was a win, but it was limited, and there was a loss. And that's why we're not playing celebration. We're trying to pick up the pieces and trying to figure out what must be done still to stop this overarching um, big government menace in response to a pandemic that is on its way out by natural, that's right, by natural immunity anyway. The king troll himself yesterday, Dr. Anthony Fauci, admitted that it is impossible to stop people from getting COVID. He said everyone is going to be touched by this at some point. Literally everybody is going to get it because of the massive infectious nature of the Omicron variant. Everybody is going to get it. So if that means, if that is true, everybody is going to get it. That means there is no need for a vaccine mandate because that means the vaccinated are also going to get it. And number two, it means we're going to achieve what they told us two years ago was the goal. Herd immunity. This is not about health. It has never been about health. This is about the two Ps I tell you all the time. It's about power and it's about profit. And yesterday, Joe Biden saw some of his power slip through his fingers. That angers him and it angers the American left. Profit will continue. Because they will continue to push these jabs and threaten workers through the businesses rather than through the federal government if they don't take the jabs, the profit jabs, the profit shots. That's what this is all about. It was never about health. It was never about science. And you read the t-shirts, right? It was never about science. It is always about compliance. That remains the case today after the Supreme Court ruling. All right, I want to hear from you. Dial us up at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. We're guest-free in the first hour, so this is a good chance to call and get on the radio on AM 1420 The Answer. So baby, Bigger. Bigger and better and stronger. Always right with Bob France. Sometimes they say huge. On AM 1420. Really large. The answer. Okay, 927, AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for joining us on Always Right. Don't forget, I told you we're going to have a couple of good guests. In fact, a couple of great guests coming up at the top of the next hour. At 10.10, we're going to catch up with uh, Jack Windsor. It's been a little while. Then at the bottom of the next hour, 10.35, back with Christina Hagen uh, with her commentary and discussion of today's top stories, including the Supreme Court story and 
Kirsten Cinema announcing, I'm not budging. We're not changing the filibuster in order to change the voting rules across this country. Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema are indeed, I, I, dare I call them American heroes. They're, they're bucking their far left progressive party to do the right thing. That is heroic no matter what party you're affiliated with. That's terrific. Tanya is in Akron. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Tanya. Hey, Bob. How are you? Doing I agree well. with you 100%. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. I'm just listening. I said I agree with you 100% about yesterday. It was a half win and a loss. And the only way we can make these losses wins are if we take back the emergency power that we're given to unelected bureaucrats and elected power-hungry governors, mayors, and city officials because the only reason this didn't go through is because it was a... Tanya, let me interrupt you. Tanya, Tanya, I have to interrupt you for a second. Are you on a speaker by chance? You sound very distorted. Okay. Can you, if you could pick up, yeah, pick up the phone. Always, always try to use the uh, handset when you're calling a radio show because okay, the sorry about that. Is bad. So okay, much better. So, Thank you. So much better. We need to get our power back from unelected bureaucrats that run government agencies because that's the only reason why this wasn't. A, it was a partial win, but we need to get like the wine. We need to get him out and make sure whoever gets back in. He doesn't have power to do the same thing all over again because an emergency can be anything they deem an emergency. And if it's not limited power or limited time, my com- we're going to lose. My company is losing people right now because they refuse to take the jab. It's not official anymore, but the, the woke president of our company has decided that we have to take the jab or we will not have a job. Now, has your woke uh, company uh, uh, boss or CEO or whatever um, made any announcements since yesterday's ruling that things are going to stay the same or they're going to change? No, they're basically like Citibank. I mean, uh, Citicorp. They just told them, hey, if you didn't have it by Wednesday, here are your options. Okay. You get it or you have to be fired. Because some businesses, some corporations, and you probably know this, um, did indeed do the same thing that you just described that your company did. However, now that the court has decided that it's unlawful to require this um, or to require it by the federal government, certainly the businesses can still do what they want. They have said that they will side with their employees and let them make up their own minds if the Supreme Court decides that the, that the uh, government cannot do this. So some have said, I'm going to wait and see what the court does, and then we're going to lift our own requirement Others have said what you just said your bosses are doing. So uh, it just depends on, you know, and I guess it depends on the courage of the employees. Your colleagues, Tanya, those who do not want to get vaccinated under force or losing their jobs, you know, now have um, a, a pretty good argument on behalf of the Supreme Court to file a lawsuit against your employer and say you cannot fire me or compel me to take a jab in order to keep my job. And uh, on my side in this is the Supreme Court of the United States. I think there's going to be a real strong movement now for employees to defend themselves in court. Remember, we've all we've been talking. I've been talking to you for two years now. But I say we don't have the courage of our conviction because instead of being educated for the last 40 years, we've been indoctrinated. People are afraid. And as long as you're fearful... You don't know how to stand up. And I don't know how to teach people not to be afraid. 
No. Well, you know what? You do it every time you call me, Tanya. You're a great caller, very intelligent person. You always have great insights. So hopefully people are listening to you, and maybe you can help them uh, be not afraid. Thank you for the call today and always. Let's take a time out for news and come right back. left. Tune your radio to the right and find a voice of reason amid the liberal chaos. Always right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Had a caller um, had a caller off the air, uh, I'm told by Marcy answering the phones, who said instead of celebration by Cool and the Gang, we could have played Pick Up the Pieces by Average White Band. I don't know that song. I don't know that band either, but uh, it's probably racist based on its the title of the band or the name of the band. Uh, but, yeah, uh, there, are, there are some picking up of the pieces today. Like I said, there was a celebratory mood when you found out that the Supreme Court did declare what we all knew to be the case, that mandating uh, by executive fiat through OSHA that uh, 80 to 100 million American workers get jabbed in order to keep their jobs would be unconstitutional. So, you know, getting that word in a 6-3 to three majority was expected and, um, you know, a reason to celebrate. But the rest of it, not so much. Uh, real quick, and by the way, we are in open, or a free for all Friday rather, which is open lines at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110, and we'll put you on the radio. Call now so we can get you on before 10 when we start talking to our guests. Um, quick announcement. I'm not going to be live on Monday. Uh, my good friend Khalid Namar is going to be back to host our show live on Monday for a very good reason. I'm taking a trip. I'm doing something that Joe Biden has refused to do. In the entire year of his presidency, and something he did not do, I don't believe, for the entire eight years of his vice presidency, uh, although that's still to be ferreted out, uh, I'm going to go to the southern border. I've been invited to be a guest on a trip to the southern border where I will um, have a briefing, attend a briefing provided by Brandon Judd, who is the president of the National Border Patrol Council. Uh, I will be able to talk to him. I will be able to talk to Border Patrol agents. I will be able to talk to ranchers whose properties are just being destroyed by this flood of illegal immigrants crossing into the United States and moving their way forward. I will be able to hopefully see the detention centers and facilities and talk to as many people as I can. I'm going to have my extra battery pack uh, as I try to record as many interviews and as much video as possible. We're going to the McAllen sector. That is uh, where the heart of the problem is, or one of the worst problems is when it comes to our national sovereignty being surrendered by the Biden administration. McAllen is where Kamala Harris should have gone if she actually wanted to see the problem. As you know, the uh, borders are the Vice President, Kamala Harris, was, was tasked with dealing with that issue. She dealt with it not at all for the first four months of her term as Vice President. In that fourth month, under massive public pressure, she finally went down to Texas near the border. But she didn't go to McAllen, where the massive number of crossings continues. She went to El Paso, and she didn't go near the border. She still stayed a few miles away from it, but she went down there and met with a few people for a photo op so she could say, I've been to the border. Nothing came of it, obviously, because her answer to the question of what is being done about the record 
numbers of illegal aliens crossing, the record number of human beings being trafficked and brought across the border, the record number of drugs being imported into this country, the record number of gang members who continue to come into this country, not just from Mexico, but from countries all around the world. Asked, she was tasked with dealing with all of that, and her response continues to be what? Well, I'm talking with the leaders of the other countries to see what the root problem of their uh, that they have there. What is the root cause of their decision, or their desire to emigrate to the United States? It is just such a cop out. The answer is they're trying to import as many millions of voters as they can. That's right. Bring them in, grant them citizenship, grant them the right to vote. That's what this is all about. You know it, and so do I. So, so Harris has completely abrogated her oath of office and has completely ignored the job description that she was given to go down there and deal with the southern border. Unless, of course, the agenda was to deal with the southern border by allowing the southern border to remain wide open. In that case, she's doing a great job. But as for Biden, as for Biden, he has not even expressed a desire to go down there and see what's happening. He will not leave his basement unless it's for a photo op at a tornado devastation site or or some other some other, you know, choreographed and staged event where he can walk up with his mask and then take his mask mask off and start thinning through thin through all of his germs anyway. He will not go down there. Because if he goes, the press corps goes with him. And if the press corps goes with them, the press corps shows America exactly what's going on on our southern border and how dangerous it is for the, for the Border Patrol workers down there and for, yes, all Americans as these people are bussed and flown in the dark of night to destinations all over the country. So Biden won't go, I will. And again, it was, it's not on my dime. I'm not suggesting this is something that I just said I'm going to go and do. There is a briefing that is going to be held. There's going to be other people there from a lot of different places, but a briefing is going to be held by the Border Patrol Council. And as I said, I've been invited to go, and I am very much looking forward to attending um, on Monday. So Khalid will be in. I will be in uh, uh, McAllen, Texas, at the border, and I will bring you next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, as much of the video and audio uh, that I am possibly able to compile so that you truly understand what's going on down there. And I think it's critical that we do see it firsthand. We talk about it a lot, and I'll interview you know, uh, Tom Homan from ICE, and I'll interview Brandon Judd himself. I'll interview a whole bunch of the people that are responsible for our immigration law and securing of our country. Usually when I do the um, uh, uh, Holding Their Feet to the Fire event put on by FAIR every uh, uh, September in uh, in Washington, D.C. I mean, I, I talk about it with a lot of the people who are there firsthand, but it's different than being there firsthand, and that's why I'm, that's why I'm going to do it. So I will indeed have more information about our southern border than either our president or our vice president will have. Firsthand information. Okay, um, let's go to uh, Charlie. Charlie in Westlake, you're on AM 1420. The answer, go ahead, sir. Hey, Bob, thank you for taking the call mm-hmm. again. Um, thinking about this, uh, last week now, Hillary Clinton talking about coming back to run again. It would be like, you know, William Jennings Bryant running again. He ran three times as a Democrat. This this woman just doesn't want to go away. And I'm thinking, if she really wants it, she should primary 
this this Brandon guy because uh, you know Carter was primaried by Kennedy. Kennedy was almost about to beat him in 1980, and then uh, the hostage taking, and that's why Kennedy didn't win. Well, but if she wants to run, it, Charlie, if she wants to run, she has to primary him. She's a fellow Democrat. She can't run against him in a general. It has to well, of course, saying, be a primary. You know, she's trying to manipulate something, how how uh, this, this uh, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, wants, they want her out, so they were going to try to put Hillary in there as vice president. I guess Congress can do that. But... Uh, she, yeah, you're think, I'm thinking, why they have no bench at all? They they have nobody else. No, they like, don't. I was thinking that's the Gavin key. Newsom would have been a better choice. I mean, for them than Hillary. No, just, no, that that's that's exactly the that's exactly the point, uh, Charlie. When you say you know they're trying to draft Hillary, or excuse me, that Hillary is trying to come back and and meddle in this whole thing and get back in. I don't think it's Hillary as much, and it's probably a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I don't think it's Hillary wanting in as much as it is them realizing we've got nothing behind Biden and Harris. And, in fact, we don't have Harris. They know that her approval rating is below Biden's, and Biden's is in the low 30s. Uh, she's in the 20s. She's impossible to to trust. She's impossible to like. She's impossible to not mock because every time she talks, she either giggles because she doesn't have answers or she uses word salads that make her look like what she is, which is a stampede of stupid. She may be the dumbest person ever to sit in a position of leadership in the executive branch. Um, so they, who yeah, they got after so that? scary. You mentioned yeah, Gavin Newsom. No- Gavin Newsom is, he was almost beaten in a recall election by a non-politician named Larry Elder. Gavin Newsom doesn't have the popularity in his own state enough to win a national election. California is hemorrhaging residents. They're fleeing. Even liberals are fleeing Gavin Newsom's California and going to Texas and going to Arizona and going to Florida and other red states. Uh, so, I mean, literally, if you look up and down the Democrat bench, whether it's to governors like Newsom or whether it's to people who ran before, like, you know, uh, uh, Mayor Pete, Al Gore, now Secretary or Pete, Kerry. Uh, Al Gore. Yeah, well, no, those guys are not really. really. And, and by the way, isn't it funny? Thanks for the call, Charlie. Uh, I, I got to run. Uh, isn't it kind of funny, by the way? How it seems as though the party of of youth, and what I mean by that is the Democrat Party and the progressive movement is being spurred and being fueled right now by um, the indoctr- recently indoctrinated college graduates and and high school students. It's almost impossible for the millennial generation, the younger side of the millennials, and now the rising Gen Zers. It's almost impossible for them to be Republican because they have been indoctrinated by liberal progressive standards uh, from, you know, from the start of their educations. It's one of the things we continue to fight against, right? So the younger that party gets, one would think that it would be somebody closer to their own ages, you know, um, in their in their late thirties, perhaps, or maybe in their forties, would be appealing to them. But instead, somehow, this party of the progressive youth finds eight hundred ninety-one year old Joe Biden to be its candidate, and because he is so horrifically inept, in large part due to his age, 
their next best bet is 825-year-old Hillary Clinton? I mean, think about this. How do they continue to find people in their 70s, to be, or you know, late 70s, and, and in Biden's case, if he were to go again, would be in his 80s. How on earth do they continue to nominate and put their fortunes in the hands of, of old boomers, really, really old boomers? You would think they want, would want someone from their generation. I can tell you this as a conservative. Donald Trump's going to be, what, 75, 76, 77, something like that in 2024? I can't remember exactly where he is. I think he's 74 now, maybe 75. But he's going to be pushing up on 80 if he runs again in 2024. And that's, that's not a great look for a lot of people. It's a great look because we know and remember the tremendous successes we had under Donald Trump for four years, despite all of the obstacles placed in front of him. But in reality... You know, a, a, a younger version of Trump establishing the same policies um, with the same uh, vigor and energy and willingness to attack those who attack him. And, of course, I'm speaking of people like Ron DeSantis, and there are others. But, there, you know, there's going to be a movement to bring somebody younger on board on the Republican side, too. And they have options, that's the nice thing about it, because you have Ron DeSantis, and you have uh, Tim Scott, you have uh, Tom Cotton, you have Ted Cruz again, you have Mike Pompeo, you have uh, a whole list of really strong, potentially conservative candidates for president. The left has nothing but another soon-to-be octogenarian. The idea that they will turn to Hillary because they've got nothing else there's nothing there. What, you think they're going to run Stacey Abrams? You think they're going to nominate Secretary Pete? I mean, honestly, you think they're going to nominate Alexandria Damasio cortez They can't be that stupid. So they're turning to another would-be-soon-be octogenarian, potentially, in Hillary Clinton. It's such a sad state of affairs over there. And I hope we avoid the same mistakes that they're making. All right, 9.52, right back after this. You just have to laugh. <laughs> Always right with Bob France. <laughs> I'm laughing too. On AM 1420. He uh, wasn't laughing yesterday. And the Supreme Court did the obvious and declared the unconstitutional vax mandate to be unconstitutional. He wasn't laughing yesterday, was he? Unless, of course, he heard Kamala Harris. If you heard Kamala Harris's interview with Craig Melvin, then the chances are pretty good that he was laughing because the rest of us were as well. At what point does the administration say, you know what, this strategy isn't working. We're going to change strategies. Six former administration officials last week wrote that open letter urging the administration to change course, to change strategy. Is it time? 
It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. I'm so sorry. I, I don't mean to be cruel. I don't. But you know how we all say, or a lot of people say, that it's cruel and it's um, it's indecent for Jill Biden to allow her husband to sit up there and pretend to be, you know, the the puppet president that he is because he's clearly not in a good place. His mind is clearly gone. His ability to read simple things uh, is gone. Uh, when he's asked to not read and think on his feet, he's even more gone. We always say it's just cruel for Jill Biden to let her husband, who's in clearly a stage of cognitive decline, do this. I think it's almost equally cruel for them to trot out Kamala Harris as a vice president who has absolutely no idea about anything. She is a full-on stampede of stupid. And I almost feel bad for her as much as we do Joe Biden when he is asked to go up there and, you know, pop some medication, try to stay upright, try not to let his head hit the table on his way down as he try, it starts to fall asleep during these, these events. Um, I almost feel bad for her. I almost feel, I almost feel like somebody did something very cruel by allowing her to be in a position for which she is so extraordinarily unqualified and so overwhelmed by. Here, here's here's the example from the Biden side. You can find the nearest testing sites for you by Googling COVID test near me. Google COVID test near me. And to help uh, lead our federal testing program, I've talked, I've, 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 ta- I've excuse me, I've tapped uh, Dr. Tom, Eng- I hope I pronounced it, Eng- 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 Englesby. Correct? Is that right? I did this yesterday, and, I, and I'm and i sorry. I also did it on Dennis Prager. The man can't read the teleprompter. Prompter. If he can read it, uh, it's fuzzy to him. He thought the word tapped was topped. Uh, and then he had no idea who he had topped or tapped to lead the federal testing uh, uh, program. He had no idea who is this guy that I supposedly tapped or topped. Who is he? Doctor who? He has no idea. That who somebody else in the administration tapped to lead the federal testing task or uh, testing program. He has no idea. It's the first time he's ever seen the name. Somebody put it up there for him, thinking he could read. And it's like Ron Burgundy. He's like, who who put this name up here? I can't read. And to help uh, lead our federal testing program, I've talked. I've, 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 ta- I've excuse me. I've tapped. You you tapped him. You chose this man. You made this guy the the, the lead face of the federal testing program. You chose him. So clearly, since you chose him, you vetted him, you studied him, you probably met with him and interviewed him, right? And since you've done all of those things, you have to know who he is, right? Uh, Dr. Tom, I hope I pronounced it, Inglesby, correct? Is that right? (laughs) But you topped him. (laughs) Yeah, you made that topping. No one else, you did. You made that call. Okay. I'm 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 terrified for our country and I'm embarrassed for our country and I'm also sad for our country and for these people that are so over their head uh, in trying to lead it. 
All right, time out for news. We'll come back. Jack Windsor from the Ohio Press Network joins us. He'll analyze the Supreme Court decision yesterday and also talk about the redistricting uh, in the state of Ohio. We thought that the districts were now set. Maybe not. We'll let Jack tell you about that coming up. AM 1420, The Answer. 